Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the holdup? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G-E-I-C-O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Save with Conrad.com can help. And you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Save with Conrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, your friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Oh, Conrad Thompson almost feels like back in the saddle in a little bit. It's an August weekend as we record this. It's Saturday morning, a little bit off our beaten path. You've got some things to get done, but... Uh, I'm excited to get rocking and rolling this morning as I researched and reviewed the notes. I said, boy, this is going to take me back to a place of maybe the most stressful time business-wise, not personal-wise, business-wise in my life I, I, as I was reading through some of the notes. But not to get too uh, in, in, ahead of myself, you know, we hadn't got to play your favorite time of the podcast, you know, catch-up time. We yeah. Could, Talk a little wrestle quest. They uh we passed five billion, not million, five billion impressions on the game. Wow. Uh, lots of legal stuff and stuff that want w- makes me pull my hair out. But the game uh still looking at a release date late this year, probably early next year. But anyway, and uh minor league baseball, the old lucky horseshoes, the shoe ward order. Brand new team, brand new brand, all things with that. We won the second half of the season, Conrad. So How about I, that? Yeah, yeah, a little catch up. And uh, as I logged on here this morning, there's a little perfume in the air, mm. uh, a little mirror over to the side that I had to clear off my desk, a lot of clutter. The microphone was turned upside down. And when I logged in, 15 different screens were up. 
I believe we had a little ask Karen anything in this chair. Oh, wow. How about that over at adfreeshows.com? Check it out. Yes, we did. So, uh, man, I'm excited. It's, uh, we get to talk, uh, what we did for the last year, uh, little old school wrestling, uh, trials and tribulations all revolving around my world. But Conrad, are you taking a little R and R soon? Man, I'm finally going to, as people are listening to this, yes, I'm out of pocket and I'll be back this weekend, uh, back in the saddle recording, but, uh, I'm pumped about it. I don't know who's more excited. Me or the wife, because I'm going to be on phone detention as I've understood it. Okay. Uh, so I have a couple of days of phone detention in my future, but today, well, let me, I'll just for you, how's Megan's wrist and fingers and hands. Um, she just keeps, she keeps doing her arm. Like she's leaving the bullpen and she says she's just getting ready. Aaron beat the hell out of her wrist with her head. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, man, I woke up yesterday morning and and Rick Flair had already sent me that video again. He goes, I can't get over this. Megan's awesome. And you know, for somebody who never did anything in wrestling, I guess, Hey, why not for your dad's very last match? So. Uh, osmosis. She's had a few years to watch a few things. Uh, no doubt. Mike. <laughs> no doubt. And by the way, if you want to watch a few things again, I can't believe this is real. You guys clamored for it. We've got it. Uh, we're doing Ric Flair's last match on DVD and Blu-ray. You can get more information over at Ric Flair's last match.com. Hey, go to guyco.com. Pass it on. But let's jump into why we're here today. We're talking about old school TNA. Some of the most fun podcasts we've ever recorded here on our network were about the launch and creation of TNA. And we did that last year. We're going to circle back from where we picked up or where we left off. Rather. We, we stopped talking about the creation when we talked about the Tennessee Titans accidentally saving TNA, uh, when they jumped the rail brawl with you, of course, that eventually, uh, gets some attention at the right place at the right time. We're also coming off the new horrendous news that Jay Hossman has now misrepresented the amount of buys you've overspent based on bad information. And now you're trying to pull the nose up. So here we are in all of that, by the way, has happened in the first freaking month of shows. So we're going to start with episode five here. Uh, this is the weekly episodic pay-per-view period of TNA. It went down July 17th, 2002, and the show opened with highlights of you brawling with Scott Hall and the Tennessee Titans, and then Goldilocks trying to interview Ken Shamrock. Talk to me about Goldilocks, Jeff. That's something we don't ever talk about here on the program. Goldilocks, uh, still located. She did a, uh, Russell Cade last year on a TNA reunion autograph session. She's still, uh, in the Nashville area. But she was brought to the table by uh, our first uh, entertainment uh, uh, attorneys, uh, lady by the name of Deborah Wagnon, uh, as we were launching. And gosh, I can remember sitting over in our offices and we were going through different things. And Deborah worked for the lead attorney of Mark Miller, who is based out west. And that's going to get granular too quick. But long story short is Cody Locks was obviously not from the wrestling industry. She's a a singer songwriter, incredibly talented in that field. Uh, and she was, you know, uh, breaking through her career, 
Uh, but she had a unique personality and Deborah said, Hey, why don't you give her a shot? She's going to be local. Uh, maybe there's something that, that, uh, she can do and, you know, uh, total nonstop action with a double entendre. Okay. Maybe she can be a backstage interviewer because she's got charisma and personality and acting chops. Uh, so that's how Goldie came to the table. And, you know, she's one of those characters in the early days that the wrestling world, uh, the online world specifically had never heard of, but kind of immediately got, okay, she may be green in a few spots here and there, but she's got charisma and she's got facials and she's got good delivery. And, uh, that's just, uh, you know, she, she's an artiste. Well, and let's call it like it is. She was an attractive young lady. Uh, so she checked a lot of boxes and, this same episode, we see Mike today announced that you'll be taking on malice in a ladder match. Of course, we all remember malice as the wall in WCW. Unfortunately, Jerry's no longer with us. What do you remember of working with Jerry in WCW? Jerry was one of the guys and, um, you know, the, the, the storyline, oh man, we don't need to rewind too, all, too quick too. but you know, the millionaires club and, and that, that whole young breed and Gendrak and, and so many other guys, but wall, wall was one of those guys, Jerry, a hell of an athlete, great attitude would do anything. And, um, man, his demons called up to him. And I can remember hearing that what, when he went to Japan. And I mean, it was just one of those things that gone way too soon, but Jerry was a guy that with his athletic ability, let me put, put for that was secondary to his attitude. Jerry wanted to learn. He was a sponge. Um, you know, you, you look at, uh, Chris park today, abyss. I, I don't think people, I think now, now more and more as more people are around him and work with him and they just don't work with the abyss character, but the abyss character and Joe park, and then the finished guy, and then thinking things through and the storylines that he had and all that. And, and, you know, abyss, the Puerto Rico years all the way now to one of the lead producers. Um, but, but I think abyss loves the industry. And I think Jerry wall loved the industry and really wanted to learn. Uh, but man, God rest his soul lost too soon. Before we get anywhere in the show, you're brawling with Scott Hall and then Bill Barons removes you from the match and Meltzer would say it became clear why Russo was there because Russo was booking Jarrett to be stone cold. And while he doesn't understand a book for money, he does understand how to book Jarrett. A uh, lot to unpack there. I'm not interested in dissecting at all, but I do want to ask, did you think Vince Russo booked you better than anyone else? I'm not saying ever all time. I'm saying in 02, did you have a lot of faith and confidence in his ability to handle the Jeff Jarrett character? Obviously I had confidence in it. Um, when I started reviewing these notes, I touched on it at the top Conrad that I kind of went back into that. Just, I mean, when, when you, find out the Hosman situation and not to regurgitate that, but you find out that the, the hell South that was just on top of starting a new business and not, not just trying to keep it between the lines and hit budget numbers and knowing production and moving and 
just everything that went with it. But when you kind of get the one, two nut shot from Hosman and hell South, um, it's like character development for me was so far down on my list of priorities. So your question was, I think, did Russo book me best or did I feel comfortable? I'm not sure exactly what it was. I, I don't, I don't know if you'd say best. I will say this to date. Uh, you look at Vince McMahon in the double J roadie era. I think I was a pretty hot heel yeah. uh, during that time. And then you look at the, you know, the IC run and the male chauvinist and all those moving parts to date, those, those were, you know, two, I guess you could say highlights of my career, me and Owen in a tag, but you know, um, so Russo was definitely a enormous part of the China run. So did I have confidence in him? Yes, I did. Let me spell it for you. G E I C O.com. That's Geico.com. So let's talk a little bit about, um, Sabu Sabu is going to replace you and the match goes on next Sabu goes over and Meltzer would say better than a usual Sabu match. Lots of messed up spots and a lot of good spots. Malice took a bump over the top rope through a table and it had his size. That was a dangerous stunt. Sabu climbed up and got the contract in 13 minutes and 23 seconds. Sabu busted his nose during the match. And then all of Jim Mitchell's crew destroyed Sabu after the match with malice choke slamming, slamming him off the apron through a table, a pattern will emerge two and a half stars. Meanwhile, the torch gave it three stars. Sabu in this era is maybe not, uh, he, he's still certainly a legend, still a great performer in O2, but it did feel like the, the, uh, I don't know this mythical independent who is this guy breaking tables, blah, blah, blah. That really started to pop off in 94 through 95, 96, 97 bio two tables and such are much more commonplace in wrestling. How was Sabu to do business with though, here in O2 in the early days of, of TNA. And I think there's a real d- d- divided line business wise. I don't know that I really ever had major issues that I would say, oh, I'm never doing business with that guy, or he's hard to do business with. Business-wise, he was always easy, real easy going. Creatively, and during this time, it was, I read some of these notes. I don't remember, we'll get to it, but, you know, Abyss, I mean, shoot, uh, Sabu kind of going off the rails backstage and then him not being in any shape or form. I got no recollection of that. Definitely not saying it didn't happen, but business-wise, he was easy to do business with during this era. And even latter years of TNA, easy to do business with. And I think kind of the mystique of of Sabu, but I think it was later defined and I think it polarized folks. He never was one of those guys that nailed every spot right? ever ever in his career. It was kind of a train wreck by design that he'll he'll go down with his own ship and then pop right back up. I think that was a part of his mystique. No doubt. But it worked for him. I mean, now, as the years rolled along, as the haters are going to hate, they kept hanging on that. And as we know, the wrestle botches and all the comedy stuff that's now prevalent, 
you know, they would have ate him alive back in the day. But I think that added to his mystique through the years. I mean, Heyman even framed it that way. You know, the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal. I mean, this guy don't care about nothing. You know, he, he was a Tasmanian devil and, uh, I loved it in ECW and I was a fan of watching it here. And then you do see these reports from the torch quote, several TNA wrestlers report that Sabu was in no condition to perform prior to the pay-per-view observers say Sabu was actually passed out prior to the show while backstage. And there was some concern as to whether or not he would actually be able to appear on the show. Sabu was said to be so out of it. He almost forgot most of the spots that have been planned for his match with malice, which is why Devin storm was obviously whispering to him throughout the match. Despite the backstage problem, Sabu is still scheduled to appear in the title match against Ken Shamrock next week. And as you said, no recollection of that. Uh, we got AJ styles and Jerry Lynn as tag champions, but they're not getting along. So it's going to wind up in a, a physical situation where we get a styles clash from styles to Lynn. And, uh, they're c- comparing resumes at this point. Jerry Lynn's a 14 year veteran. AJ's only three years into his career here, which is pretty crazy. And your, your dad had some words about Jerry Lynn. Uh, this is from Wade Keller. Jerry Jarrett spoke out against Jerry Lynn for using the words, goddamn while cutting a promo on AJ styles during the July 17th pay-per-view quote, I will not tolerate or appreciate using God's name in vain. And in one of those circumstances, I didn't portray that to the talent and someone dropped a GD. Uh, this is what your dad told chairshots.com. And Wade would say Lynn was confronted by Jarrett. Once he returned backstage, Jarrett was polite and explaining his preference that such words not be used in the promos. And to have all swear words approved before using promo, uh, using them in promos, Lynn apologized and told Mr. Jarrett, he simply got caught up in the moment and didn't mean to swear. Now I know that that's not a word that you use either. And, uh, you know, no further explanation is needed, but I am curious the swear word thing. I understand that we're on pay-per-view, but I also understand that maybe we have bigger aspirations or we just have a certain standard we want to hold ourselves to and. For lack of a better word, your dad's a little old school. He grew up in studio wrestling and in his day, that's just not something you did, but certainly guys from that ECW ilk and Jerry Lynn was the former ECW champion. They would skew a little more adult. Um, was that difficult for you to navigate? Like dad, we gotta be edgy. We're on pay-per-view. This is what we look for. This is what the, the fan, the modern fan wants. And your dad being a little more principled about that, or is that unfair to say? Just GD is a line that him or myself are never willing under no circumstance. Yeah. Personal faith-based belief. Sure. That's my personal belief. My business belief is there's there, there is no way you're going to generate enough upside by using that. There's much more downside. It's, it's almost as if, spouting political beliefs. You're going to alienate half your audience. Yeah. Period. End of story. But but I don't think my dad was ever opposed. It's just like blood. It's just like everything else. In moderation. If you have ass or damn or hell or bullshit or whatever profanity you want to use in every segment, then it becomes the norm. Just like blood in every segment becomes the norm. Just like if X division and is in for every match, blood, you know, it, it all become it all just kind of runs together. I, I think the moderation and the relativity and the balance is something that um 
to me, it's just kind of tried and true. And to go back on the AJ styles, because doing the research, I challenge folks, go watch a, a, a three-year, four-year AJ styles in the business, and then you get to see him now. You, you, you I, I marvel and go, man, he was that good this young. Yeah, he was great. Just three years in, it felt like he was an old pro. His athleticism, yes, but he still had some unique timing that still resonates today, 20 years later. Pretty cool. But yeah, uh, J, AJ and Jerry and AJ and Elix. And it's, it's a good little, these episodes were, were, man, the infancy of the AJ style years. Do you own your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you rent your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you have a car? Go to Geico.com. Want to save some money? Go to Geico.com. Really in a lot of ways ahead of the time, but at the same time, some of the stuff is just, well, <laughs> Goldilocks is going to be interviewing Jasmine St. Clair, the, um, <clears throat> gangbang queen right outside the showers until she's attacked by Francine because, well, of course, and it's interesting to me that, you know, and I understand there's, there's religious beliefs and, and there's business beliefs and all that, but there's a bad word in a promo and Hey man, here's a porn star getting beat up in a shower. And okay. Uh, and then we've got Ron killings as K crush, uh, out there looking like a star and, uh, he's going to beat Norman smiley in three minutes. And then he cuts a promo and the promo is where maybe Meltzer loses it a little bit. K crush did an interview. He complained about being held back similar to the interview that Lynn did. Fans were largely cheering him. He complained about being fired by WWE. Brilliant. Fans already know half the crew here are WWE rejects, but nobody even remembers that he was in WWE. So you just let them know. That is something that I wanted to talk to you about because I know that Eric Bischoff sometimes says, you know, in business, you can be better than you can be less than, or you can be different than, and for whatever reason. It did feel as if there was a, a, a stretch of time and maybe it still happens where when someone was fresh off of WWE TV, they were going to TNA and as a result, it feels like, and boy, I don't mean to talk about people this way, but it feels like the leftovers and that inherently means less than meanwhile, you've got these new talent. But even if they were in WCW for a cup of coffee, we don't remember that like AJ styles. And so therefore he feels homegrown. And I think K quick or K crush or whatever you want to call Ron killings, he could have felt homegrown. But when you mention WWE, let me go. Now it feels like, Hey, I don't want to be here. This is my only option because the big boys don't want me. Is that a staple that Vince Russo used a lot in his writing? that maybe in hindsight wasn't the right call or where do you land on that positioning? Uh, I think there is, uh, as you say, a lot to unpack there. We'll get into the quick story and the K crush and the true story. And the truth is kind of the word that will resonate and fall on. Ronnie wanted to do this story because he felt passionately about all of it. As we get into the steamboat, this is Ronnie telling his truth. Yes. 
my dad was so attracted to it because as we just experienced Conrad, man, this is a nice little segue blurring the lines of reality mm-hmm. are the magic of the industry. Personal issues, draw money, make people believe. But the only way you can make people believe is you got to throw in some reality there. You got to sow in some truth. You got to sow some seeds where people can go, okay, I'll go there with you. Okay. I'll go there with you. Okay. I'll go there with you. Of course, Jeff should have slapped the taste out of Conrad's mouth. The way he treated him on the podcast week after week after week and made fun of him in spite of the facts he is a four horseman, but Conrad still wants to suck ass with his father. No, sorry, Conrad. But <laughs> but but no, all kidding aside, the, I, I I really so that's the story the 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 truth as we get into that. But the the proof is in the pudding here. Yes, Russo like to blur the lines, but I think he had an issue like a lot of folks from time to time, he would never step back and look at 30,000 feet and say, Hey, I've said that this guy left WWE and that this guy left WWE and that this, wait a minute, we look like a trash can over here. Those kind of things will just take you down. That's the conversation I had with Dixie. Uh, end of, uh, uh, end of Odin beginning of 2010. Hey, Jeff, what do you think Hulk's coming on board? I said, if he's coming on board as an ambassador, great, but we got 3d and they're not looked at as the Dudleys that they're looked at as team 3d. We got Kurt angle, Olympic gold medalist. He's been with us long enough. We had Christian and we had the main event mafia. So we're kind of heavy. Let's not tip the canoe so far and forget AJ and Joe and Daniels and all that kind of stuff, because then we're going to become WWE light. That's exactly what we became. I think that's the point you're making is it all of a sudden, you know, maybe worse than WWE light WWE trash can. So yes, I, I think you can do that. And I think the audience subtly goes, Oh, I'm watching a lesser than product. Great. By the way, we don't mean to say any of those talents are less than or blah, blah, blah. We're trying to say from a fan perspective, I mean, listen, let's make a a baseball analogy. Something that Jeff is becoming more and more familiar with you're, you're, you're in the bigs or you're in the minors and the positioning was always going to be WWE is the bigs and nobody ever wants to talk about their own product as the minors. But when you let guys go out and look right into your camera and hold your microphone and talk about. I was in the big leagues and now I'm here inherently you're in the minors and that's not where you want to be, but where you do want to be is with car shield. You see this episode's brought to you by car shield. They make it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs. And that's just for starters. Car shield is the number one auto protection company in the United States. They've got protection plans for around a hundred bucks a month. The plans cover more parts than ever before, whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. And let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic and car shields, administrators handle the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or the headaches you're taking care of. The same goes if your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road plans through car shield also include coast to coast roadside assistance. Car shield administrators are there for you with rental car options, trip reimbursement at no cost. You can get coverage today and lock in your price now, and it will never go up. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising costs of parts and repairs for your vehicle. Car shield helps protect my wallet from expensive car repairs, and they'll do the same for you. Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan 
and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. Hey, y'all, did you go to geico.com yet? What's the holdup? You got a house, you got a car, you need to bundle them, you need to save. It's geico.com. So let's talk a little bit about my favorite scene in TNA in this era. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a gentleman known as Puppet. Now, perhaps you're not familiar with Puppet. Well, that's on you, as Michael Hayes would say. Go out of your way to look up Puppet the Wrestler. Jeff Jarrett personally put this young man inside a trash can. The result is something that to this day, for at least the last three years, the former crowbar from WCW and I text once a week and quote dusty Rhodes recap of what we're about to discuss here. It is the funniest thing that has ever happened in professional wrestling. This is what Wade Keller had to say about this segment. By the way, this is the show I've looked forward to recording the most with Jeff Jarrett since the holding up Vince McMahon story. And we're finally getting to do it. I wish you had the soundbite. Goldie found puppet standing in a trash can, pretending to masturbate before the match. He asked if she wanted a little porridge and offered to show her his Cobra later. Goldie said, as soon as her singing career takes off, she's quitting this job. And then she found the dups sitting backstage and one of them complimented her lips, but not those lips. Oh, Conrad, your delivery's the best. <laughs> Jeff, your dad is wagging his finger at Jerry Lynn about a promo. Same show. We got little people beating off in trash cans. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Oh, Conrad, this is one of the reasons I enjoy it. Your delivery. <laughs> Dusty's delivery is the best. Oh, my God. His hams, his, his big forearm sitting on the top rope, and he's got his hat on. We will play and, it all over Twitter. And he looks at that camera just dead. But look, now let's give credit where credit should be applauded. We both at times are a little rough on Russo. Let's, if, if he would just take a few magical moments here and there and just sprinkle that dust every so often, not every segment, maybe this segment works a little. <laughs> look at the look on your face. Porridge. I had forgot the porridge line. It's unbelievable. I, like I forgot the porridge line. Porridge. <laughs> what the By the way, I want to mention this is Did not the only time that we're going to talk about puppet puppet is a heavy little person was a very thick, heavy. We should person. mention puppet passed away two years ago, 2020, yeah, yeah. no longer with us, but boy, if he was here, That's if right, you buddy. think I wouldn't get him on a zoom oh, talking about buddy. this, cause this ain't even the, this ain't even the craziest thing he did. <laughs> there was another time and I, boy, we're skipping around, but I just can't believe this guy has the two most iconic moments in T to me, Elix Skipper walking the top of the cage. Number one, all time. 
Okay. Number two, what I'm about to mention, and number three, oh, hitting Hulk with the guitar in Japan. Nope. Uh, let's let's <laughs> recap. The title. Nope. Kurt Angle winning the title. No. Nope. None of that. Story. Nope. <laughs> None of that. Let, let's let's tag in Dusty Rhodes. Let's see what Dusty Rhodes had to say about this segment. I think you'll dig this. Here we go. Midget beating off in a trash can at 8 p.m. Oh. Or how about a midget beating off in a trash can? The choice is yours. Make yourself something. Work to be world's heavyweight wrestling champion. Not that midget beating off in a trash can. It says pro wrestling on the marquee. It does not say a midget beating off in the trash can. (laughs) To this day, Crowbar and I will text each other a beating off. Because it's just the way he delivers it. It does not say... A beaten off in the trash can. <laughs> only the way, on, only the way the American Dween can deliver that line. By the way, he also once pulled a gun on Jeff Jarrett. Not like, hey, don't jump too far down the episode. I'm Damn, just saying Jeff this is the greatest performer in the history of TNA. Elix Skipper walking the cage. No one will ever beat it. Number two, pulling a gun on Jeff Jarrett. Number three. A beaten off in the trash can. Uh, okay. Next up, we've got um, Mr. Estrada and Sonny Siaki taking on Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper. Of course, Skipper and Daniels are going to be the future Triple X. And man, oh man, what a tag team! Uh, Christopher Daniels was an incredible—I guess he still is—in uh, ring performer. But as a tag team guy, I think he's criminally underrated. He was a part of so many great tag team matches, but this pairing of him and Elix Skipper was just fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, Estrada and Siaki get the win because, you know, you got to make these flying Elvises look good. Um, Meltzer, Meltzer gave it uh, half a star. The torch gave it three stars. Uh, next up, we would see meatball versus puppet. This is directly from Meltzer puppet beat meatball. This midget who looked like John Tenta and Porky had a mini child with none of their charisma or ability. The highlight was puppet breaking a watermelon over meatball's head. This went six minutes and four seconds. And is one of the worst matches of the year, negative three stars. It also screwed up the show in another manner between this match going several minutes long, the refs, IFB going out in the Elvis's match. So they couldn't get the signal to go home until late. They were long on time. This forced them to cut several minutes of low key versus styles. Think about that. Mm-hmm. We're losing time for Loki, who at the time people thought was going to be the most dynamic performer in TNA and styles, who we know is now a first ballot hall of famer, but it's because we have two little people where we're breaking watermelons over their head. Just moments after they were a beaten off in the trash can <laughs> and guys, this was a $10 show. <laughs> hey, I buddy, just, I just want you to first. understand they're giving us a hundred dollars worth of value. And asking $10 for it. At this moment, I was convinced this is the worst and the greatest wrestling I have ever seen all at the same time. I'm not sure what I'm watching, but here's $10 and I'll give it to you again next week. It, wasn't this our very last episode in the municipal auditorium, the place that held yes. double J and roadie walking out and the place that held root players last match. It also held a midget like a uh, beaten off. In the trash can. Let's recap. Now 
this building was the home of the last clash of the champions. This building is, oh, the, wow. is I didn't know that. Yeah. It, this building is the home of no holds barred. The match, the movie with Zeus and Hulk Hogan. This building is the home of the end of the greatest trilogy of all time. Ric Flair versus Ricky steamboat where Terry Funk did the pile driver on the table. And people thought, well, that's the first table spot in wrestling. Nay, nay. A year prior, this building had a Saturday night's main event with Hulk Hogan versus Harley race. And Harley did a table dive. This was not a gimmick table. He had to have a, a surgery done afterwards. That was the end of Harley's in ring career. All that happened in this building. Oh, by the way, Starcade 94 with Hulk Hogan, his first Starcade. Starcade 95, where Flair won the big gold belt for the second time in this same building. Starcade 96, at the height of the NWO, Hogan versus Piper. That's the legacy of this building. And also, Double J Shawn Michaels, a beaten off in the trash can. <laughs> now, as if this wasn't enough, Let's remember now we've got to pay off the gangbang queen. Jasmine St. Clair and Francine are here. Jasmine's going to come out in a white t-shirt with no bra. And that white t-shirt happens to be wet in Panama city at club La Vila for $20. You knew what you were getting here on pay-per-view. It's only $10 boys and girls. Blue Minnie's going to interfere in DDT Francine and it's a DQ and Francine is stretchered out. Quote, a key source reports that the office asked Jasmine St. Clair to show her breasts briefly during her appearance, but the former porn star rejected the idea. Now, hypothetically, I know this didn't happen, but I want to believe with all of the fiber of my being that as soon as your dad got done wagging his finger at Jerry Lynn, he said, next up, let's go do this pre-tape for a beaten off in the trash can. And now I got to go around the corner and ask this lady who once laid with 600 men in a row, if she would show a nipple on my pay-per-view, I know it didn't happen that way, but I want it to, I want it to be true. This is the same show. Y'all this ain't like a, a, a worst of for the year. This ain't like botchamania for the quarter. This is the same freaking two hours. And they were only charging us $10 and they got my $10 every damn Wednesday. See, we're talking about it 20 years later. What an anniversary. We're literally on the 20th anniversary, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. 22 August. It was 20 years and one month ago. And it's real. Uh, and by the way, the main event, let's just repeat what we're talking about here. AJ styles versus low key. Are you kidding me? As our friend Don West would say. You've got to be kidding me. A great show. Two and a quarter stars in this match. According to the observer, the torch gave it three stars. Of course, Meltzer would say not bad, but nowhere near the level of what they're capable of. And part of the problem is a drunk fan in the crowd stole the attention from the guys that never really got the crowd back, but they also had their time cut. It was 11 minutes. Meanwhile, Sabu had 13 minutes and the little people had maybe too many minutes, but either way, just what a series of performances on this show and we're not done. And, and behind the scenes, the, the, the hospital situations going on Yes, and Oh, hell South is in this little thing called the, uh, biggest it's the Enron level scandal here. Yes. And now we've got Brian Lawler coming out and shitting all over his dad and Meltzer would call it uncomfortable. 
Uh, Scott Hall comes out, cuts him off and here's the match. And this is maybe the, the error of this era, if you will, era of the era. Yeah. We'll yeah. get it right. Low key and AJ Styles should have been the main event. In my mind, it was instead we get Brian Lawler, the former Brian Christopher and Scott Hall, and they go nine minutes and Meltzer would say, Brian Lawler did a long promo running down his father. That would have been great if his father was going to wrestle him, but since he's not, it came up as building off, building up something you can't deliver. Why not just go ahead and challenge rock and an angle while you're at it. Of course, Scott Hall beats him eight minutes, 20 seconds. Meltzer gives it three quarters of a star. Torch gave it a star and a half. Uh, they both said the hall looked real bad, but he'd been in a, on a Puerto Rican bender for several days, but still a monster star. So I understand the need for him and the placement for him in the main event, but you know, we're cutting, we're cutting AJ and low keys match a little short and granted they're not big names. They're not the big stars, but we're doing that so we can give a promo to Brian Lawler. God rest his soul to shit on his dad with no payoff. I understand the criticism here. And I know that you've got for lack of a better word, flaming chainsaws. You're trying to juggle behind the scenes, but the creative for the show and the formatting and the structure probably was just not even remotely on your radar for this to be laid out the way it is. Right. I mean, obviously it had to be on my radar, but when you kind of look at it and as we've chuckled through this and had fun with it, but pulled the curtain back and looked at it 20 years later, you can just see the influences all over the place. Russo, my father, me, but when you, when you talk about, I think all of us would have agreed, um, in that two hour format, new innovative, look, wasn't going to hit on all cylinders. We tried to leave them every week with what are they going to watch next week? So the finish of the Lawler Scott Hall kind of deal. And man, talking about him being on a, I remember Scott in the early days of TNA, man, he, he, I just felt like he came ready to play, wanted to dive in and him and my dad always had a good relationship going back to the WWF early nineties, or even even back in the territory way, way, they always had a good, uh, relationship him. I I just, I don't remember that being accurate. Not saying that it wasn't, maybe there was a report in Puerto Rico that he had just flown in from, but anyhow, uh, we wanted the the placement of not putting AJ in low key. Yeah, probably because they weren't the big stars, but also, uh, what were we leaving them with the following week? How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. After all, who doesn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all the things in your life, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even with homeowners, condo, or renter's coverage, you could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get starting seeing how much you could save. We're still not done. After the match, K crush and Lawler are going to choke Hall with a belt and it's another stretcher job, two stretchers on the same show, but you're coming out here disguised as a pair as a paramedic. Uh, you were thrown out earlier, of course, but now you're back dressed up like a paramedic. You're going to attack Scott Hall again. 
And, uh, that's going to be the close of the show. And your dad wrote in his book about how upset he was with this show, describing it as having too many missed spots, Sabu, too much profanity, Jerry Lynn, and too much sexual content. I don't know if he means Goldilocks and the dups and the lips, or he means a beaten off, or he means the wet t-shirt, but probably one of those. All the above. Um, the Russo fingerprints are all over here and it feels as if, and again, I don't know your dad very well. I kind of know him, uh, but I get the vibe from reading his books and whatnot. And, and some of our conversations that he probably, for lack of a better word, blamed Russo for this fair to say. Oh, for sure. And you know, I think you, well, I'll say if you agree with this, my father wears his emotions on his sleeve. Yes. Always has. So how he felt on Monday probably changed on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Candidly, I used that word for the first time today. That's a bad character trait that I picked up that I tried because he's a highly emotional guy. Oh, yeah. Jeff Jarrett will run hot on your ass. He will. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't need to go there. Well, listen, it all works out in the end. It was fun. In, In some of those tense situations that you and I have been around together, though, other people who don't know you have a complete meltdown. And I'm like, guys, we'll be fine in like three hours. We just got to get there. Just hang tight. I've been there. I know what it feels like, but we'll be fine. God bless Larry and Deborah. Just can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. Okay. <laughs> um, where were we at? No, he wears it. So, so I saw in the notes that chairshots.com. I, I haven't heard of that website in years. Right. And I thought my dad's yeah. He talked to them all. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he, talked he was to on all. message boards, wrestling classics, <laughs> message boards. <laughs> That's and, what yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. He's home. Yeah. So the idea that you had a, uh, someone of your dad's stature in the business going on message boards Blows back my then mind. blew me away. And don't get me wrong. I respected it. And, and I know that you sort of are like, what are you doing? But these days, Tony Khan's all over Twitter. It's not that different. He's trying to interact with the audience and I respect that. And I think sometimes in wrestling, the, the owners or the management or whatever, they think, well, we're up here and they're down there. And your dad, I felt like was rolling his sleeves up. Let's get in the trenches. Let's get some feedback. Let's see what they're saying. So Conrad, interesting. You bring that up just this week. I had a conversation with my daughter about social media. Yeah. And look, the, my world listeners, I would assume they rage in age, uh, ray, uh, range in age from, I'm sure we have some 20 year olds listening. Oh yeah. 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 Know. Yeah. For sure. Okay. All the way. Okay. So I think because social media came on board at everybody's different stages that we all look at social media differently. I mean, like through a completely different lens. Yes. I think the younger the folks are. I, 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 and I may be not accurate in maybe you can help me wordsmith is a little better is it's more real than, than because I think not just the haters and, but I, I just, I don't put as much stock in Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. I don't want to say it's fake. It's just not authentic through and through. I think you have to take, a leveled approach and digest opinions. So my dad, 
hats off to him. He wanted to dig in. Hats off to folks that 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 into it. But I think there comes a line that you have to. And again, I take it back to my formative years. That human nature is such a wild, wacky place to be in that a guy can be on the front row and just literally ready to come over the rail and kill me. And 15 minutes later, he's out back and saying, Hey Jeff, you don't drink, but here's a six pack. And can I get your autograph? And can I get my picture taken with you? Hey, will you leave a voicemail for my mom? You, you know, it, it, it's just that, 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 that it's like, wait, weren't you just cussing me out three minutes ago? You, you know, like really take a swung at me, that, that kind of deal. So I just think social media and even the message boards back then to tie that back in. Don't, I mean, I, I guess what's your comment on the different ages? You got a daughter, uh, you're around a bunch of young guys as well and all different ages. Social media is just viewed differently from different folks and different ages and, in, and uh, on different things. Well, I think people use it for different reasons and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting, I'm probably misquoting, but I think the gist of what Mr. Regal says on his podcast, gentleman villain, his advice to, to wrestlers folks in the business is, Hey, Twitter's not real. How many people watch the show and how many tweets did you get? So it's not really a fair sample size. And also too, as a, as a person who works in the business, I know that this is going to sound awful, but the person who's paying you is not necessarily the fans. It's the person behind the curtain who sent you out there and said, Hey, here's what we're looking for. You're working for that person. So you want to do the job that that person wants you to do. Not necessarily what the audience wants to do. Now I get that from a wrestler perspective as someone who has promoted a thing or two, I, and, and have a business or two, I seek out some of that feedback about the business. If it is constructive criticism, because I know that is my customer. So I do mm-hmm. think that the owners, and I think when Tony Khan pays attention to Twitter and he receives some criticism for that, I think unfairly, those are his customers, but the actual performers who, who may find themselves vanity searching themselves. And by the way, everybody's done that. And you just want to see what people are saying. You shouldn't get too caught up in what those folks think of your performance. It should be the person who is paying you. Mm-hmm. Tony Khan is paying you to wrestle and do this performance and this type of match and that type of promo and what have you, his opinion of your performance really matters. It's paramount. He's your employer. Tony Khan is paid by the people who watch his product. He's trying to build that audience. That's not necessarily. And I know in in wrestling these days, people say, oh, so-and-so is a draw. I hear you. It don't mean what it used to mean to be a draw because these days guys aren't paid based on the house. Once upon a time, paychecks were determined by how well something drew. That is no longer the way wrestling is comp wrestlers are compensated. And as a result, who is, or isn't a draw is no longer the concern of the wrestler. It's just not in my opinion, the concern of the draw is now the promoter. The promoter gets paid based on how many tickets are sold, not the talent. Now there's a whole long discussion about that. And we could beat that up and analyze it and discuss it. But once upon a time, this whole industry, Hey, if we, if we made more, we make more. And now it don't matter if we made more, we get paid the same. There's a huge difference. 
So I, I, I do believe when Mr. Regal's saying Twitter ain't real, he's on to something because you're trying to satisfy your employer. But if you're trying to run a business and people are shit talking your business, and if it's just haters for the sake of hate, yeah, mute it, move on. Who cares? But if there is something you could look and say, all right, well, that's fair. We should do a better job of that. I'll accept that criticism. I think that's real. And I think social media has value in that regard. Does that make sense? It does. It, it's, it's, to me, it's a fascinating conversation that will continue to go on. The, 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 one of the things that, um, that just is irreplaceable because I, tr- tr- I, my exact words to my daughter was social media, just what Steve's, it's really not a hundred percent authentic. Yeah. You kind of have to take the good with the bad, but it's not all real. And if you think it's all real, then all of a sudden your expectation from the beginning is completely skewed. With that being said, here's the thing that I I believe that cannot be manufactured. I don't think if anybody attended Ric Flair's last match, if you just sat there and, you know, there's been a promoter or, or two that's been blind. But if you just sat in the very back row at the top of the building all night and just sat there and listened to reactions, I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind who they paid to see. That's right. I, I, I just think you cannot manufacture. So I, Rick was the draw. Yes. No, no slicing and dicing it. No, oh, well, this, that, or oh, well, nope, <laughs> folks. The response, you can't manufacture that. Tweets, you can have, there's so many things that go into that to, 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 to social media. But but real live reactions, when Roman walks through the curtain or you name it, fill in the blank. AJ uh, Stone, also, too, Jeff, one's a paying customer. That, 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 that's kind of that's where I was going to uh, land back on to. That's the value. I think Regal's also saying, yes, we're trying to super serve the audience. Who's there. And, and the, your folks who are not doing business with you and may never do business with you. Who cares? You know, there's a great saying that, that I saw several years ago and I really liked it. Um, what people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> Like that's on you, man. But I mean, it's different when it's a paying customer. If you're paying customer in your crowd, who bought your ticket, who paid for parking, who took off work, who made an appointment, who, who, who bought a t-shirt, who bought some popcorn and a couple of beers, that's who we're trying to make happy. Yeah. And if those folks are happy, we're serving our customer, but someone who watched it on a pirated stream or heard that someone else didn't like it. Brooklyn brawler, then they can be a critic about something of which they don't know. They're not a customer. They're not a fan. People who were never going to buy your product, their opinion does not matter. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah. It, it just, it's a fascinating conversation. I don't know how we derailed on that, but good chat. Did you forget yet? Come on. Geico.com. Well, here's what I know. There's, there's no opinion that we will have to debate about Bluetooth. We know for sure. Bluetooth works. Bluetooth works. And here's how I know right before we clicked record, Jeff Jarrett took one, Jeff, stand up, show everybody your Woodrow. I know it's there. I know it's there. 
Come on, show us to come on guys. Confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. And apparently Jeff's been stepping up to the plate a lot based on some group text messages. I've been in that were probably private texts between him and Karen. And somehow I was involved. That's where blue chew comes in. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. You can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is so simple. Number one, you sign up at bluechew.com. Number two, you'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And number three, once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA. They're prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. But buddy, you saw Jeff Jarrett wrestle a couple of weeks ago. He didn't look 55 and neither does his wiener. And if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform blue chew can help. I don't know what we're doing. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try blue chew for free when you use our promo code, my world at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is my world to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank blue chew for sponsoring the podcast. And I want to recommend if you go to bluechew.com and use that promo code, my world, you too may no longer have to be a beaten off in the trash can. I thought for sure you were going to work that into that. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I, I mean, I, I think as far as an ad line, Jeff Jarrett doesn't look 55 and neither does his wiener. Uh, not that I've seen it, but I've heard, or let's keep going. Uh, Meltzer would say this after week five of NWA TNA, we were treated to a totally different product because of the heavier influence ah. of Vince Russo. <sighs> the match quality was way down, but due to the other factors, it can't totally be blamed on Russo. Fact is AJ versus Loki on paper looked to be the best singles match in the, that the company's put on, but it didn't work out that way. The flying Elvises look spectacular on the first show and look like green indie guys on show five, the women and midgets can be blamed on Russo because that stuff figured to be bad. Sabu versus malice in a ladder match ended up being a lot better than it looked on paper. So in a sense, Sabu's performance balanced out the X division X division guys, but the feel of going on from an emphasis on hard work and matches to the long range angles and title quests to crash TV where nothing mattered with a heavy emphasis on swearing and attempting to market it to that 15 to 30 age male group because they hate women and can't get dates and enjoy seeing them harassed and abused. The overdone booking was notable with so many fake serious injuries, particularly the ones to Francine and Norman Smiley that were produced with comedy overtones. When they did this one, they wanted people to remember to get them to pay $10 next week, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, the gist is Meltzer thinks, boy, things are changing. Quote, the culprit is not Vince Russo, but Jerry Jarrett, since the buck stops here in his defense, he had budgetary and legal issues that were more pressing that took him away from creative Jarrett should have known best with his experience at producing the highest rating television shows of our lifetimes. And that is weekly television drives the ship. So he's given your dad a bit of a pass, but ultimately he says, Hey, it's supposed to be his call. It's not all on Russo, but that's the end of TNA five weeks in at the municipal auditorium. 
Hey, did you go to Geico yet? Get a quick quote. See how much you can save for free at Geico.com. Episode six, the next week, the follow-up effort is at the fairgrounds, not the ones that we were just in for our convention, but the original asylum Meltzer had this to say. They moved from the auditorium in Nashville to the smaller fairgrounds and signed a three month lease, which with the nitro like stage setup will hold 1400 fans instead of about 8,000. This was largely a cost saving measure. The fairgrounds are non-union saves on the setup costs and lighting because it's a smaller building. They're eliminating pyro and one company estimate is that the building move on its own will save $27,000 per week. Not to mention not paying a cut of whatever small merchandise revenue they do to the building or a small percentage of tickets as added to the rent. There are a lot of new deals cut with production to save more money. And it's believed there will be fewer fly-ins. The plan at press time was not to use managers on the show, cut back on TNA girls and alternate weeks using the two highest paid wrestlers under contract, Ken Shamrock and Scott Hall. The fairgrounds has never looked good on television before, but the company insists they'll be able to dress it up. Those who have put on pay-per-view shows claim there is no way to do it. Even bare bones for less than $125,000, which means 30,000 buys would be the break. Even company sources say the cutbacks are so strong that they'll be able to break even starting at 20,000 buys. Unlike 50,000, that isn't an unreasonable figure. If they can provide consistently good shows and get word of mouth, but it's hardly a lock, a lot to unpack there, but I just want to break down the economics really fast. If you had a $10 pay-per-view and you got roughly 50% of that from your pay-per-view partners way in the future, once everybody paid their cable bill on 200,000 buys, that becomes 200,000 gross dollars, cut it in half, a hundred thousand dollars, plus whatever you sold your tickets for at 1400 fans. If those were $20 tickets, there's another 28,000 in theory, you got 128 grand you're working with, and you got to cover all your costs. Is that pretty decent for a quick and dirty P and L there, Jeff? I think so. Uh, you ran through that a little quick, but I remember for lack of a better word, survival mode uh-huh. and the municipal auditorium was not going to be available period. Uh, you know, they were touring acts come through the Harlem Globetrotters concerts and, uh, religious deals and all, all kinds. Of, I mean, it's a fully functional building like it is today. Um, <clears throat> so moving to the fairgrounds, we knew we could get in there. I can remember with Keith Mitchell and a few others, we did the walkthrough and knowing and okay, just the stress that we went under. So that show that we just talked about the day before that Tuesday, I think Keith drove up early, but we did a walkthrough and in the back of our mind knew what we were going to have to do to get that, get the, excuse me, get the fairgrounds painted black, build a stage, build a set on super limited funds. Remember we're in that flux and man, you talk about high stress and how we're going to figure that out and we'll get into it. Now we're going to be able to have a screen and what are we doing here? And just the survival mode and, and the mindset, how do we get there? And I can remember kind of breathing a sigh of relief. I don't want to say maybe a day or two after this show, we just talked about Conrad knowing that, okay, wow, we are really slashing the cost. And for the lack of a better word, as opposed to, and I don't know exact numbers, but opposed to 20 flights, 
we'll do 10 flights because we have a lot of guys drive in. If people, talent, were saying, hey, we'll drive in. We had folks driving in from east of the Mississippi all over the country. Just kind of having a, okay, this is doable. It isn't the end of the day when, you know, the Hell South news. I mean, there were minutes and hours and maybe a day or two. Like, I I don't see how we're actually going to be able to survive and pull the nose up on this. But knowing the fairgrounds wanted us, we had the option. Burt Prentice held the wrestling lease, weekly shows. He's like, yeah, we'll turn it over. Thank God he did. God rest his soul. But we kind of put those wheels in motion and knew that, all right, it's a Saturday night town. And that sounds so old school, but Louisville was born and bred on Tuesday nights. Memphis was Monday nights. Evansville, it's just kind of creatures of habit. Nashville had always been a Saturday night town. Now we're moving to Wednesday. We kind of kind of have to figure this out to get the people coming on Wednesdays because, you know, it's just knowing Nashville and the different part of town that it was and the ease and access and just everything that went with promoting a weekly town. We knew we had our work cut out, but it was certainly doable. And the math as far as the buys was, you know, was it a drop in the bucket? No, but we knew we could manage the expenses, which gave us all breathing room, big time breathing room. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Wings! Legendary flavors! World championship wings! Woo! Woo wings! Yeah! Woo woo! What's the holdup? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. Your dad went on a message board and said, Jeff and I are wrestling purists. Just as many fans out there. The difference is we have put up everything we have in our effort to present an alternative to sports entertainment. Our plan was simple. We believe there were 50,000 wrestling fans who would pay $10 per week or $40 per month to have an alternative in sports entertainment. This was based on the fact WWE has from 300,000 to a million fans of sports entertainment who will pay $35 per month to see their product. We were well aware the production values, talent, storylines, content, etc., were all factors that could negatively affect the buy rate. We still thought the market would support us enough to make the plan successful. We're finding that many of the wrestling purists did exactly as I did 10 years ago. And that is go on to something else. We're finding there are many fewer fans who really want an alternative to sports entertainment than we anticipated. Therefore, we can either attempt to attract a few of the WWE fans or pack up and go home. We've risked everything in our venture. Therefore, not because of our personal taste, but out of necessity, we are compromising our wrestling purist instincts and attempting to create a broader fan base. ECW did a great job of creating a product for the hardcore wrestling fan. The simple fact was their base of fans was not sufficient to keep them in business. Did you know at the time your dad was spilling the beans like this and pulling back the curtain on the message boards, or are you too busy putting out other fires to even know clueless? And again, I sort of prefaced it earlier. Talk about wearing emotion on sleeve. And I'm thinking to myself, 
in the same day or week or same breath, the whole, we six weeks into the project, we knew, he knew once I kind of, look, these independent cable operators, or when I say independent, Nashville has their marketing office. Memphis has their marketing office. San Diego, all the different, they have to get on board and understand this product, how to market us. So, like, he was, he says, oh, we found out. No, we didn't find out. <laughs> we're a brand new product. We, you know, we we were still in infant stages. But again, my dad wearing his uh, heart on his sleeve, emotions on his sleeve. Um, again, probably diving into those message boards and reading commentary that some folks had never even watched the show. Maybe some did. But uh, no, I was not aware, Conrad, at all. The observer would say, while the company is trying to put up a good outside front because of their lack of any real numbers that they know of, there's certainly fear of the worst as evidenced by the decreasing depth of stars on each show and Jarrett turning over Russo to the creative, to the degree he has, uh, for the next show, the first one at the fairgrounds, Meltzer had this to say, the Nashville fairgrounds didn't look as bad on TV as it did in the eighties or Burt Prentice TV shows and came across in the look like an ECW arena show. However, it didn't have the ECW arena atmosphere. The expected hot Southern crowd that Nashville is famous for just wasn't there at all, which hurt the show. After about 30 minutes, the crowd was completely dead. Those live said the problem was they had no screens in the building, which was a budget cut and the fans live couldn't see the backstage stuff and the backstage stuff just burned them out because it went so long. They didn't appear to paper the house at all as they've done in previous weeks. So there were 700 people there not even close to filling up a 1400 seat building. The show reminded me of watching an indie like NWA Wildside, where you've got some good workers, but only a super hardcore fan would like it because it comes across as so minor league and Vince Russo stuff. Wasn't nearly as out of control as it was the previous week. So let's just talk about how this must feel. This is not fun, but. You had this vision of what this thing was going to be. You ran Von Braun civic center, which not a huge arena, but it's an arena. You ran municipal auditorium, so much wrestling history in your hometown. And before Bridgestone, it was the big arena. And now you're at the fairgrounds and you've had to, for lack of a better word, put lipstick on a pig. And we're not aiming to sell 8,000. We're aiming to sell 1400 and it's 700. And you've put all of your financial wherewithal into this on some level, this has to be the most challenging and daunting task ever just to muster up a smile and a brave face and try to be the leader because part of you has to just want to say, fuck all this, right? I mean, no, not really at that, that point. Yeah, it was super frustrating, Conrad. And the walls at times felt like they were just caving in. Yeah. But yeah. I also had to some life experiences to fall back on. Conrad, I wouldn't call the sportatorium this magical Madison Square Garden. No. And my dad owned 60% and Kevin owned 20 and Carrie owned 20. And I got a cut, a small cut of my dad's profits. And I saw what kind of money we could make out there in 88, 89, 90, 91. So looking at a building that I had wrestled in 
essentially every Saturday night from 86 to 93 and knowing how we could make the studio or the fairgrounds look in one week or just the vision and me and Keith and others kind of talked about it and the screen not being up the first, I think it was maybe even the first month or three, I I don't know, first couple of shows knew we were going to get there. We didn't want a paper coming out of the gate. We kind of wanted to see where we were going to be at. Uh, It was in the summer, which Nashville is a summer town, drawing town. School hadn't quite kicked around to start back. So we knew papering. Do we do that? Do we not? Let's kind of figure out we're going to go just, we were just kind of, when we knew we had breathing room and I know we've already covered this and going out to the Carters and going out to Panda and the funding that came on Labor Day weekend. So we're still in this August trying to basically we've got to get a baseline quick. Uh, It's almost like Conrad. I didn't have time to put my head in my hands and go, Oh shit. You know, I, I just, I had a never say die. I'm going to fight through this. We're going to figure it out. We, we, you know, I've been at Memphis TV on a Saturday morning and ice storms when not just half the crew, three fourths of the crews can't make it. So you got to go do a 90 minute show. Okay. You make it work. I've been to many spot shows. Hey, half the town didn't get there hit hit by a snowstorm. Okay. We got to go out. We've got a full house people in this community. They'll drive in the snow. We got to go put, you know, just some life experiences that you kind of got to figure out. And look, I'd come off the WCW debacles and, you know, all just wrestling experiences. It was super challenging. I'm damn sure not downplaying that, but knowing that, okay, we can figure this out financially and at least get a baseline that's manageable, creative wise. Look, Scott and, and others, but, the fact of the matter is, hey, this is the baseline of what we're selling. It is what it is. So how do we build from there? Kind of the promoter mentality. Maybe the delusional optimist, but also the promoter mentality. Let me spell it for you. G-E-I-C-O.com. That's Geico.com. And now some more problems. This is from the torch. Wade would say Marcus Bagwell was originally booked to be in a multi-week storyline where he lost every week and would eventually make his, I quit speech only to be brought back shortly thereafter with a new invigorated persona instead, because of his backstage antics before his last appearance on the pay-per-view two weeks ago, Jerry Jarrett has decided not to bring him back. What did Bagwell do? He caused major delays in the shooting of his pre-taped segment. It took a meeting with Jerry himself to get Bagwell to agree to get dressed. And then he took over 15 minutes to get ready. Then he demanded several retakes on his segment. Then he expressed discontent with how Jarrett planned to use him the following week. As a result, there's yet to be a following week. He's called the office several times in the past few weeks, looking for his next date and none is being offered at this time. So when something goes down like this, is it easy for you to separate friendship and business. And I mean, cause now you went from being quote unquote, one of the boys with, with, with buff in WCW and now you and your dad are quote unquote office. It's gotta be a little challenging for you to try to wear both hats. Right. Well, for the most part, I never really understood. And again, a life lesson learned early when things are selling out business is really good. Everybody, whether they 
deserve the credit or not can kind of take credit for it and throw their weight around. And I'm not doing, they could just have a look when things are down, that means nobody's drawing. And so when, when things are down and, and you're bitching about everything, I always found it fascinating that guys wouldn't look at the mirror and say, you know, it doesn't look like anybody in this dressing room is, is, uh, pulling their weight. So I, I better keep my mouth shut if I want to stay here. Buff never had that mentality. He was never educated that mentality. I'm going to bitch. I deserve to get paid. I'm I'm this, I'm that. I mean, I remember these conversations, not just from my father, but from others said, yeah, Buff pretty much, you know, cooked his goose with your father. And I'm like, I guess that, Shouldn't surprise me, but it does. Uh, he had had his WCW run for a long time, and apparently things didn't work out, and I had no idea why they didn't work out, you know, in detail. But to come in and not play ball with the old man was kind of easy. The shot was a drive for him. It was just like, okay, he don't want to work here. He obviously doesn't want to work here. Somebody who did want to work there, but maybe got himself a little heat. Our mutual friend, Mr. Jeremy Borash. The torch had this to say. Borash has locker room heat. That stems from comments he made on a July 30th radio interview. During the interview with Coco Sports, Borash was asked about Florida independent manager Ron Nemi, screwed that name up, recently commenting that the Shane twins were used incorrectly by TNA. Borash responded by saying he'd never heard of them or the Shane twins before he started working for TNA quote, if I'm working the independence for $50 a night and I get a call to be on worldwide television, I don't give a crap what you're going to do to me. Just put me on. I moved to Atlanta for free to come work for WCW because I wanted to be around there and be in that environment. I was working as a ring announcer for $20 for four years. It's all about opportunity. That's what this business is. And that's all we can offer people. And if you don't like the gimmick, you don't like the role you're given, then please get the hell out of our way because we don't have time for it. Several wrestlers took Borash's comments as him putting himself over for quote unquote, paying his dues in the wrestling business. The wrestlers most offended by the comments insist that Borash, because he's never stepped foot in a wrestling ring has not paid his dues relative to the indie wrestlers. He's critical of also, he's been in the business for a relatively short period of time. At least one wrestler was boasting to friends that he planned to call Borash on his comments in front of the other wrestlers on the August 7th TNA event. One TNA official defended Borash saying, quote, if Borash has heat, it's unfair because he works very hard and is very easy to deal with. They don't understand how hard he works. Well, listen, we all know to this day, Borash is a hard worker. Maybe not the best look for JB here. Is this just him being a young cat and maybe not showing the maturity in the business or was he spot on? What say you, I, you know, again, we're, we're, we are going back to internet chatter. So you kind of, kind of, as we've learned or as folks learn, consider the source. And I'm yes. not talking about JB or Ron Nemi, who did the interviewing leading the witness. Yes. Hey Ron, can you believe Jeremy said X, Y, Z? Hey JB, can you believe that Ron Nemi? It's just. It's internet chatter. It, it's a bunch of BS. I do know firsthand account that Jeremy's mindset was just that. 
if you don't want to be here, go. Yeah. It's okay. If you are going to be here, let's roll up our sleeves and go to work. Jeremy's never, ever been afraid to work hard and long hours and wear multiple hats. And that is the kind of people that often get criticized, but you always look around and say, oh, yeah, he's working for this guy. Or, oh, yeah, he's working for this guy. Oh, oh, he's doing this. Oh, he's got this skill set. Well, I didn't know he could do that. No, he couldn't do it five years ago, but he learned the skill. It, it's th those things. So I never took any of that BS to heart. Never. It's uh it's an interesting time here in TNA. I don't think that, um, we're going to be able to get to episode six and seven, but I can't wait for us to do those some other time and just continue to talk about, man, just the topsy turviness of the, of the company, you know, coming up, we're going to be talking about low key working with the amazing red Chris Harris and James storm trying to figure out, can they be a team and they're teaming, uh, or taking on Cassidy O'Reilly and chase Stevens. Uh, Apollo's still here and he's going to be working with Brian Lawler. Uh, lots of really fun and interesting stuff, including some names that we hadn't seen in a long time, uh, like Simon diamond, and Johnny swinger. And then our main Father event, Jim Mitchell, father, Jim Mitchell's on these early episodes. Absolutely. Shane Douglas is going to be back in there. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about, but I do want to allow our, our, our listeners to ask some questions. And we put this up on social and had a lot of folks who had a lot of questions. We'll try to get to as many as we can here. Brad Stanton wants to know, looking at it through the 2022 eyes, what do you think about the early TNA women's division? Gosh, um, when you think about 2002, 2003, we're, we're two and a half years removed of the China angle. And I just got interviewed for her doc. And, and when you kind of look, put things in perspective and God, I don't want to get too, too far down this rabbit hole, but you look at, I'll call it territory seventies wrestling, you know, uh, of the, the territories of women's wrestling. And then, you know, just the gosh, rock and rebel or a lunder blaze early nineties. It just, it was, I don't want to say non-existent, it just, it was a special attraction. It wasn't a division. And I knew early on, how do you get to that division? Like, how do you really get to that division? You got to have a roster and it just wasn't there. Uh, but the seeds Trinity, we used her in some unique spots, uh, er, early days. But uh, again, just the, the, for lack of a better word, the, the, the talent base was it there? Instead, what we wind up doing a lot is, and boy, this sounds awful, but it's reality. We sexualized the female characters and that was oh, even gosh. part yeah. of what we were doing with the name TNA, but we had girls in cages and adult film stars and wet t-shirts and cat fights and thongs and you special know, attractions We're put it diplomatically special attractions as opposed to a division. And we're trying to for lack of a better word, cater to that audience that probably also is being inundated and in, on television with ads for things like girls gone wild. And that was just what it was at the time. And of course, now we know that's not the way women's wrestling is looked at. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, the internet would have you believe, oh, the women's revolution began in 2015 with, uh, the, the four horsewomen coming to the main roster. Okay. 
but you guys had the best women's wrestling around for a long time, way in advance of WWE. Maybe it was based on the amount of time you gave them. Maybe it was uh, uh, the, the matches, the storylines, what have you. But when do you remember in TNA it feeling like, okay, this is, this is a real thing. Conrad going in sales meetings, you know, Dutch mentel mentioned him often on this podcast, but Dutch often would use the line, a good story writes itself. Hey, Jeff, it'll write itself. Hey, Jeff, it'll write itself. Gail Kim was a part of our roster. Uh, she was basically my valet and wanted to wrestle and wanted to wrestle and she'd be involved in high spots. But there was a early, you know, a couple of talent here and there that just, how do we start the women's division? Look, and I go back to going into marketing meetings. Hey, how are you different than the WWE? Well, guess what? We're four distinct divisions, heavyweights, tags, X division women's. Well, in order to say a, a true women's division, you got to have that. So we kind of went on the search on how are we going to really, really not just have a women's match every third week. We're going to have one every week, but we're also going to have a, a format for a division, just like the X division. And as we started percolating and plowing the ground and really looking at this is good. Again, I, I say it, the easiest way to explain it is they will no longer become special attractions. They will be their own division. And when we started pulling the pieces of the puzzle together, and it goes without saying, we ultimately got to Awesome Kong, Gail Kim, main eventing, and impact. I think it's history. We're the first program to ever have the women's in the main event. It, you know, a, a, in a division, it wasn't a special attraction, all that kind of stuff. But we had kind of a dedicated mindset, Scott Demore, Dutch, Vince, uh, you name it. The knockouts, Dixie, uh, you got to give her credit. Of course, she wanted a women's division. We all collectively, how do we get there? And I was, for the lack of a better word, the old wrestling guy. Hey, guys, if we launch this division, it can't be with four women. You, you got to have enough base. And we got there and launched it and was one of the things the X division is the first thing that set us apart. The knockouts was really the second that truly defined us. Yes. We had ultimate X matches and, and different kind of things like that. But as far as having four distinct divisions, that was opposite of the WWE, like radically opposite. Let's do another one here. This is from uh, Rick Smith. He wants to know my world, Jeff, could you please tell me in this era of episodic storytelling, what was the plan for the dups who came up with the, this shit? And can you explain to me the rules of the dup cup, man, that, that can be an ad free special, a bonus. We got to get those rules out. We got, I mean, they they exist. Sorry that I don't have that recall. Derek Sabato, you no good, rotten, dirty scoundrel. You put the question on here and you didn't give us any kind of feedback. There are rules out there, pal, but boat up and what were the name of the full, all the dubs names? There's a whole, uh, listen, I, here's what I know. It's hard to, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to all that creativity. You just can't spill it out in one setting. Can you Conrad? It's hard to fuck up with a rec tech. Let me tell you about that. It's an amazing company that offers wood pellet grills fueled by all natural hardwood pellets. 
along with all your other lifestyle products you could ever want coolers, apparel, grill accessories, and more. They've got Rectech starting at just $399. They've got grills for every lifestyle, every budget. There's a key focus on flavor, convenience, and versatility. Plus the factory direct pricing eliminates the middleman. All the grills ship for free. Plus all Rectech pellet grills are made with high quality stainless steel and they're built to last a lifetime. Rectech's flagship model, the RT 700 comes with a 40 pound pellet hopper, 702 square inches of cooking space. And the PID Wi-Fi controller has a six year warranty to a six year bumper to bumper warranty. Easy for me to say with Rectech, man, you can bake. Yes, you can bake. You can smoke. And absolutely smoke. You can even sear, grill, dude, even dehydrate on a Rectech, all with the push of a button. And that's why those in the know choose Rectech. So guys, tossed aside that uh tasteless gas grill. Can't believe JR calls himself a griller using a gas grill sometimes. A oh. messy charcoal grill, and boy, those are intimidating to our wives. But even those overhyped brand name grills, toss them all to the side. Join an elite wood pellet grilling family. Megan and I absolutely love ours. Like I'd admit I had a different one before, but buddy side by side, there is no comparison. The Wi-Fi controller is way more powerful. You can turn it on. You can turn it off. You can adjust your temperature from your freaking phone. Uh, it, this is just can't miss. I mean, Megan has went from never grilling out to we grill out five days a week. And she's probably doing it as often as I am because it's fantastic. It's easy. It's fun. And it tastes great. Basically guys, by focusing on flavor, convenience, and versatility, Rectech has set a new standard in grilling. I know that's been Jeff's experience. Visit Rectech.com. That's R E C T E Q and use that code Jarrett five to get 5% off site wide. That's 5% off their top notch wood pellet grills. That's 5% off their one of a kind Rectech icer coolers. That's 5% off their chef tusted rubs and sauces, the accessories, the merchandise dude, everything's 5% off. At rectech.com and use the promo code Jarrett five. That's R E C T E Q.com. The promo code is Jarrett five. What are you grilling this weekend? Jeff, tell the truth. I know you're fine. I didn't know if you're going to toss it to me because I have another testimony. My brother-in-law was at the house yesterday, walks by the sink and I've got steaks down in there. Uh, I shouldn't mention that brand. I'll cross things up, but anyway, steaks, uh, uh, unthawing. So I'm going to marinate them. And I said, dude, You've got to come outside. I walk him outside. Did you know he was in Costco last week? And had he not got a phone call, he was going to be purchasing a competitor of Rectech. And I said, brother, come here. And I pushed the button and showed him. He just looked at me and all this, and I could not tell. So I've got two ribeyes that I'm cooking, and I'm going to cook some chicken today. And I may run up to the store and uh, get me a little seafood. We're going to have us a uh, Conrad July was insanely crazy. So, uh, super busy, but I'm looking forward to August and my day job and kind of getting back in routine, but I'm grilling today, two ribeyes and two chicken breasts. But, uh, I sold a grill this weekend because he saw it. He goes, wow. I said, I'm telling you. And he looked back out by the pool, Conrad, we can't mention that brand. And he goes, well, what about that? I said, well, Unless I'm out there <laughs> by the pool, I'm sorry to say it's in the rearview mirror. And then I look over to the other side. This isn't a brand. It's a hibachi deal. And I said, now, look, if I'm cooking some hibachi, but those are few and far between now. But my day in, day out grill, and like Megan, uh, we grill. I, if I'm cooking at home, 
I grill. Yeah, Ch- me too. About every, whether it's chicken, steak, burgers, whatever it may whatever. be. Whatever, yeah. Uh, com promo code Jarrett5. Sell them grills, but no, it's the best. It is the absolute. Wait, are you telling me JR calls himself a griller and still uses gas? Well, see, here's the thing. At his condo in Florida, he can't have a grill at all. Oh, now, now he's got multiple rigs, uh, at, yeah. at his house in, yeah. in Oklahoma. But when I was over there, I don't know, four years ago, uh, he couldn't wait to cook for us and it was fantastic, but I'm hearing grill master Jr. And I look over and I'm like on that, on the gas grill. I don't know. I just had a different expectation and, and you're exactly right. We we've, we've both have that other charcoal style grill that became all the rage at hardware stores and whatnot. And, and we've used it for a long time, but man, when you, I'll be honest, I got spoiled. I am spoiled. I, I mean, we, there was a lot of work involved in that and it tasted great. And, ah, and we convinced ourselves it was fun, but it was time. It was effort. It was energy. It was a ha- hassle. And now it's like flip a button and it tastes great and it's easy and it's an exact science and you never overcook. You never undercook. Like it's freaking amazing. It is amazing. And we, you know, you and I are, are I'm, I'm remodeling a lake house and you and I've talked about it and you know, buddy, I, I'm doing a little outdoor kitchen. They got a built-in rec tech model now. So like I've got on my back patio here at the house here in Huntsville, I've got the full deal with the wheels and the whole, whole deal. But at the lake house, I've got a built-in rectic. They make a built-in one now. And if Casio beats it, eats a damn steak before I do off your leg, me and him are throwing down. Oh, I'm so for I'm it. Slap, I'm going to slap the taste back in his mouth this time. I love it. I love it. Check it out, boys and girls. Rectech.com. The promo code is Jarrett five. We had a lot of fun talking about it because it's a lot of fun using it. Uh, Zoel Lopez has a question for you, Jeff. What was it like working with Scott Hall during this time compared to the other interactions you had with him and other promotions? That's a decent question. Was there any difference in working with Scott here? He came look just because of out of the corporate environment, you know, me and Scott one-on-one we never ever. I mean, to the day past, never. I don't even know that we really had an argument. I I looked up to him greatly on his in-ring acumen in so many ways. He had that r- rough Germany uh, run that I didn't realize, but I have as I've gone through my whole process. That's probably the first time, but I really wasn't on the realization that I really saw the insanity of the disease. Cause it wasn't the Scott. I mean, it just, it, I'm like, who is this guy? It, it, it's a different thing to be, Hey man, we tied up, we tied one on last night. Didn't we pal? Okay. That's partying and hanging out, but seeing a guy operate insanely, that was kind of the first, but me and him never had a crossword, but in the TNA days, and I know him working for me and my father saying when he worked for my father, he had a, uh, he had a drive to him. We had some really good matches during this era that look, we plugged and played and did a lot of our stuff that we had done in WWF, but we, it was a different vibe, a different era. And, um, you know, one thing that, that I think is a, a uncommon unknown song, Scott's TNA theme song was, was uh, one of Grado's favorites, but it really cool vibe to it as well. So Scott came to play 
I wish things could have worked out. He's still the guy that I think is at the very top of my list. What you say that never was world champion that should have been. Oh, for sure. You mentioned it. Let's play it. This is Scott Hall's theme song. me by dale oliver man you guys i mean i don't think a lot of people realize all the the time effort and energy all the attention to detail that goes into putting on the show and you guys were doing it every single week things like video walls things like entrance music just so many details and that's why it's great to go back and relive some of the i don't know the origin story if you will of uh of tna and we got more of that coming up on deck uh we just finished episode five We will do another episode sooner rather than later about six and seven, but next week we're going to bounce all over the place. Jeff, we're going to talk about something that, uh, I've recently become very interested in. I got to tell you my, uh, my mom and dad, I haven't told you this story. They had such a great time at Ric Flair's last match. You know, they don't really know what you and I are doing in here. Uh, they just think, well, Conrad just goes in that room by his garage and stays in there for a bunch of time. And doesn't answer our text messages and just disappears for hours on end and whatever. I guess he's having fun. And then they walk into municipal auditorium and they're like, uh, holy cow, this is kind of a big deal. And I don't think my mom has actually been to a wrestling match sincerely since like the seventies, just not been. And so she got to go and, and enjoyed it and had a great time. But her takeaway, every word of this, her takeaway was son, Rick did good, but then boys and the masks, that was unbelievable. I never seen anything like it. And she kept on about it all week to the point where, as you and I are recording, it's Saturday morning last night, I'm out to dinner with some friends of ours and you know who, and I got a text message from my mom and she said, son, me and your dad just watched the pay-per-view. And I said, what pay-per-view? And she goes, you know, your, your last match. And I'm like, mom, I would have got you a code. She's like, well, no son, we just bought it. And I'm like, okay, well, thank you for that. Like Karen buying merch. I couldn't believe that Karen did that. Please stop buying stuff. Karen. See what I have to put up with, but go ahead. Anyway, I said, uh, well, thanks mom. I appreciate it. She said, yeah, we just had to see them boys in the masks again. (laughs) And I said, what? She said, the flipping, the spinning, my God. Oh, and the cowboy match. And I had to think, oh, she means the Von Erics and the Briscoes, but yeah. my mom loved. And I mean, like Jimmy McCulpin at the mortgage company from save with sent me a text message as soon as it was over and said, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen live in my life. Not just wrestling. That's the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen, but that's all da 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 da. And of course I'm telling that to a friend of ours and he goes, 
That's every day. That's every show for AAA. And so next week we're going to be talking about the ultra heel. We got to see a taste of it in Nashville, but buddy, you turned it up. You broke the knob. You turned it up to 11. You spinal tapped it in AAA with this ultra heel double J character. We're going to talk about how you first get hooked up with AAA, what it was like working in Mexico, the difference in the locker room, the difference in the matches, the difference in the the business itself, because it's not even called wrestling. It's Lucha Libre. It's a different thing. It's, and I'm learning a lot about it because everyone was talking about that match at Ric Flair's last match. And the more I learned, the more I realize that's really not that big a deal down, down yonder. And we're going to talk about that next week, man, you and AAA. And by the way, uh, another friend of ours, I think has some sort of candid footage of you making an entrance and you making an exit. And boy, fans were, uh, they were fired up about your ass. I can't wait to talk about this next week. It's me too. It's cause it's look the my world listeners that probably most of them don't have a clue about it. It's a, uh, it's, it's just a, a different style, a different vibe, all things that go with it. I'm going to challenge. Maybe you could have a conversation between, uh, yourself and, uh, Charles Ashenoff, Okadol, Conan, because he, you talk about, and we're, we're going to talk about a lot him a whole lot next week. Just how his mindset, as far as he had a vision for the king and the queen of the mountain down there, buddy, it paid dividends. I can't wait it, for us to talk about it. Conan is. Uh... Man, he's the consigliere of all the talent. He's the godfather of Lucha Libre. He understands the business better than anybody else, as far as I know. And my goodness, did you and him create some pretty special Ooh. stories? We're going to talk about all that next week, right here. A little uh, south of the border flavor coming your way here on my world. And of course, in the meantime, Jeff, in my real life, buddy, I've been busier than a one arm paper hanger. All of a sudden, folks are starting to feel the effects of are we in a recession? Are we not? All I know is I'm having a lot of conversations with folks who are telling me there's more month at the end of the money. And if you're one of those folks, boy, I want you to know we can help, especially if you're a homeowner in the last couple of years, your house is worth more than ever. And that is a lifeline for you right now, specifically to get out of debt faster. I want to explain as a kid, my dad or my granddad used to say, son, the only good snakes, a dead snake. Now I've got friends who have pet snakes. I don't know if I agree with that. But I do believe the best mortgage is no mortgage. You may not know this, but this is real. Throw it in your Google machine. Mortgage is Latin for pledge until death. It was an instrument designed to give you to give 29% of your gross monthly income every month until you die to some banker. I am not that guy. I am the unmortgaged mortgage guy. I want you to pay off your house. The American dream is not to have your house payment drafted out of your bank account and getting used to living without that money. The American dream is to own it free and clear. And if you're having trouble paying the bills right now, that may feel like that's an unattainable dream. It is not. We can take you out of your 30 year loan, put you into a 15 year loan. And you might be thinking, well, how the hell can I afford that? We'll get rid of all your other debt. You may have now found yourself accidentally. And some of you have even told me foolishly in some credit card debt. Well, don't file bankruptcy. Don't have a slow pay. Don't struggle to make that minimum payment. Go to savewithconrad.com right now. I can help you knock out all of your credit card debt just like that. Sincerely, we're going to use the equity in your house to get you a better interest rate. 
You see the interest rate you're paying on your credit cards right now is what 18, 28%, whatever it is, you know, it's too high. Not only that you're throwing it away. The interest rate I can get you on a new house loan or new home loan from savewithconrad.com, much cheaper and a greater tax deduction. You see mortgage interest is tax deductible. Credit card interest is not tax deductible. So if I could pay your house off in half the time and do it with cheaper monthly payments, you're going to pay your house off faster. You're going to save money each and every month, and you'll get rid of all that credit card debt. You're done making 15 payments a month. You're down to just one payment. And how about this for starters? No payments for two months. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. And before I let you go, I want to say this. We don't say no at savewithconrad.com. We say not yet, but here's how we're going to get you a plan to get you out of debt and give you and your family, the peace of mind you deserve. And it's my family that helps you do that. My dad's there. My cousin's there. My sister's there. It really is first family mortgage at savewithconrad.com. Get a quick quote right now. Check out our reviews, by the way. I know there's lots of haters out there who say Conrad does this, or he does that buddy subprime loans. Aren't even a thing. And even if they were, we wouldn't do them go right now to conradreviews.com. What you'll see is thousands of reviews with an average rating of 4.72 stars. You know what that means? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Got an A plus with the better business bureau. And most importantly, thousands of customers saving money each and every year because they heard us on this podcast, just like you. Get a quick quote right now. Find out how much money you can save for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. And Jeff, next week, me and you, man, AAA, here we come. This is going to be a fun story. Conrad, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Back in the groove. And I'm just going to have one last request. Okay. Can you take us out with a little American dream? You know what? I think I need to do that. American <laughs> dusty roads. It's, it's just so fitting. I, it, it happens and it's happened multiple times on this podcast, but today I had tears coming out of my eyes. I mean, it's, it's one episode all for $10, <laughs> but it's the same episode. Made it famous. That's the best part. It I mean, it, 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 I'll never get tired of this ever, ever. <laughs> Ever, hey, ever. Have you ever heard your bud, our, our bud Crowbar talk about outlandish vaudeville? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is classic outlandish vaudeville. Here we go. It says pro wrestling on the marquee. It does not say a midget a beaten off in the trash. <laughs> that was going to be world. a midget <laughs> See you guys next week right here on My World. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.